Welcome back to Real Estate Investing with Alex Deacon. I am Adam, and I am here with the Deacon himself, Alex Deacon. What's Adam. going on, brother? How's it going, buddy? Alex. Good. Just got done watching some Thunderlips versus Rocky. Good to see you. Yeah, we were watching some Hulk Hogan there get beat up by Rocky Balboa, you know? Yeah. Um, you know what? I think today we're gonna we're gonna make another little short little podcast here, and Alex, and, and let's talk about some of the easiest flips that, that we can do, Absolutely. or, or the, the easiest flips that you think there are on the market. Sounds good, and I I do like to stick with easy. Easy is better. <laughs> Simplicity. Yeah, keep it simple. Yeah. So just in my experience over the years, um, doing flips and selling properties for for clients. You get you get a feel for like what sells, what sells quicker, what sells easier, what's the least amount of um, risk, you know, risk management. So whenever I look at a flip, I'll look at a couple different things, a lot of different things, but I like to buy something that's more cookie cutter. So if I can find a house that's maybe very similar to a 200 homes within a couple blocks or a uh, quarter of a mile, an eighth of a mile radius, I'm more prone to buy something like that. Make less of a profit, but know exactly what that thing's going to sell for, or pretty close to it. So I like cookie cutter. I like things that maybe in a, a home plan that there are maybe six different models in that entire plan. And there's been, let's say, 10 recent sales of that same, mo that same model within the past 365 days so you can do your market analysis and know basically what I'm going to be able to sell this house for now the things that could kind of derail that is let's say nine of those houses were on really nice lots and they had perfectly level backyards right same home but your home happens to be on let's say a down, downward slope, so let's say you have a steep driveway, mm -hmm. and let's just say in the backyard, there's not much of a yard, So and let's also say the garage is in the back, so for you to get down the driveway and turn around to go into the garage, it's a bit of a, a struggle. Right. And to make it even worse, there happens to be some high tension power lines, right? right. High electric like cables running through your backyard, literally. So. You can't compare that house and that sale price to the other nine that sold. Right. So that's the only caveat to this is, you know, you have to be, you have to compare apples to apples. So, know when you're doing a flip, if you have all of those ingredients that I just explained going against you, then it's okay to buy something like that. But just know that your market time is going to be longer, and your the the chance of you selling that same home for the same price that the other nine sold for is highly improbable. Okay. So I always base my calculations on the most probable versus, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna bank on the ninety percent of things happening versus the ten percent, and that's kind of just getting lucky. Basically, okay. probability over the dice roll. Yep. yep. So what I mean, like by cookie cutter, is that would be a cookie cutter home, but again, the caveat was, you know, that scenario. Now, what I try to stay away from is something like a, a Frank Lloyd Wright home, mm -hmm. right? Something that's just off the wall that maybe only appeals to 30% of the population, or it's just the the layout is different, 
I try to stay away from those. The only reason I would buy something that's maybe a little different layout, an odd home, a Frank Lord Wright type of scenario is if I was getting a tremendous price on it. So I'm, I'm cushioning, I'm, you know, I'm building in cushion, I'm building in risk management by buying the property at a low price. So I can afford to be, to make errors on on judgment. I can afford to make errors on what I feel the ARV or after repair value would be because I have that cushion. So just to, just to summarize, in the, the, when you're doing flips, stick with what you can, the properties you can, you can build data on by recent sales that are very similar to the house that you're buying. If you're going to buy something that's a little odd or off the wall or maybe it has a lot of acreage with it or it has a small house but it has like three garages on it, it's hard to evaluate. It's hard to put value on that because there hasn't been haven't been a lot of recent sales. How much do those garages add to the value of that house? How much does an, an additional three or four acres add to the value of that house? Right. Okay. okay. So the easiest flips are the ones that have the a lot of comparable sales that are very similar. Uh, here's another good example is my own mother's house is a really really well built nice home that was built in the 50s and I think was custom built for a, um, a dentist or a pharmacist so I can't remember but he had you know a wife and one daughter. So the daughter had um, one huge bedroom and then they had one huge bedroom. So Basically, you had this 1,800-square-foot house with only two bedrooms. So understand that that's what, uh, that's what an appraiser calls a functional, functional obsolescence. It, it's functionally obsolete, meaning you have this 5,000-square-foot home with two bedrooms. It's, it's functionally obsolete, right? So when people buy a 5,000-square-foot house, they expect to have five bedrooms or ten bedrooms or something crazy. When they buy an 1,800 square foot house in the market that my mother's house is in, they expect to have three bedrooms, maybe even four. So the way this house is laid out, you just have to remember that when you're selling it, how do I evaluate the value of that property after repair? Do I evaluate it as a two bedroom or do I evaluate it as a three or four bedroom? I see what you're saying. Okay. Okay. So the, the problems you may run into is you may still sell it for the price of a three or four bedroom. Because you might find that perfect buyer who maybe it's a husband and wife and a son or husband and wife and a daughter or twins, right? Right, right. Same-sex twins, they live in one, you know, it's just perfect for that. But if you don't, and if you sell it for a high price, now the problem you may run into is, is it going to appraise for that price? So is the appraiser going to walk in there and say, yeah, I love this house, but I have to appraise this house based on recent sales in the area? And, I, and this is a two-bedroom, and I have to base my appraisal on two bedrooms that have sold. Therefore, yes, you may sell it for that high price, but then again, you may sell it and then have a problem with the appraisal where the deal falls through, and now you have to start all over again. So they're kind of compared to the cookie-cutter homes in, in the area anyway. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Yep. So just a, it's just a quick podcast on what to look for and what I like to stick with, which is the fundamentals and the, the homes that are going to be easy to sell. And if it's functionally obsolete, you must delete it. Yes, functionally delete. obsolete. Delete. delete. Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> um, 
So this was we just want to put a, a nice quick in quick uh, quick podcast out there. Tie this up with a bow, guys. This was a little bit more on the simplistic side, but everybody needs to be reminded of uh, some of the more common sense stuff every once in a while. So. Guys, social media, find us on Facebook, Twitter, uh, at Deacon Hoover on Twitter, Deacon Hoover Real Estate Advisors on Facebook. Alex Deacon can be found at Alex Deacon 712 on Twitter. On Facebook, it's Alex Deacon Real Estate Workshops. Guys, make sure we're following us on all your favorite podcasting sites. Just search for, search for DHRE or Deacon Hoover. For Alex, for everyone here at Deacon Hoover Real Estate, I am Adam. We thank you so much, and we'll see you next time.